Well, uh, this is Dwayne Newstater here with uh, Tony Tressault and Norm St. Jean. And uh, Norm, I wrote that little uh, intro. Tony sometimes uses it, sometimes he doesn't. But, um, you know, it's far better. You know, the funny thing, that Big Axe thing, you know, I I was writing that going, I'm pretty sure it started with Big Axe. But I know Big Axe was bought by Aspen. But was he with Aspen or was it with Big Axe? But was it was it John Moyer that worked for Big Axe and hired you? Or yes. was, is that how that went? Yes. Wow. It, it was actually um, the owner of Big Axe was a gentleman, Dunk Roberts, who actually was okay. the inventor of the, um, the, the cutter head for the hydro axe at that time. He invented it. He had the patent on it. Anyways, that doesn't really matter. But um, I lost my, uh, my, my previous job and I was just looking for a job. And I, I dropped into Big Axe's office and uh, tossed down an application. And there was Dunk. And it turned out he knew my dad from way back. Like, Dunk is older. You know, he was only a few days old, you know, younger than God. and But he, <laughs> he, he knew my dad from back in the day. And so he gave me a chance. Yeah. I was just a huh? kid. Man. Um, what You know, it's funny how it is with people we know, eh? Like, it's it just a... But it was meant to be, you know, what What do you think about that, Norm? Like, was it like a coincidence or, you know, no, that, was, that? If if there is such a thing as fate, it was definitely, you know, that was the day that, uh, you know, whatever smiled down upon me and said, all right, we're going to we're going to give you give you a gift. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> such a common story for, you know, it's like poor young out of work and you just walk into a tree place and like apply for a job and every tree place on the face of the earth for the last 150 years has been hiring like you know it's like and i've never known a tree company it's like a decent person walks in it's like and they're like no no we we have too many people i've never heard that you're you're assuming i I was a decent person (laughs) (laughs) if you if you walked in with two arms and two legs and you could fog a mirror you get a job anywhere certain pretty pretty much tree companies yeah, yeah. Because, well, like I said, well, tree company, you like the trial by fire, right? Like, like we'll just hire him, and then if he doesn't break in the first day, we'll keep him. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I definitely broke some stuff. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I remember you talking about like, did they start you on an axe? I started on a hydro axe. Yeah. Well, because I, I totally bull crapped my way through. You know that I knew how to run farm equipment, and I did. I grew up on a farm, but. You know, hydro axe is a big, uh, you know, it's a far cry from a tractor and a swather, but yeah, yeah. So I lasted a year on the hydro axe before I had finally accumulated enough damage and power outages that uh, <laughs> they demoted me to a saw crew, and that was that was truly the beginning. There was was yeah. <laughs> so how do you relate to that? What it was it about that that you remember like when it was like wow like this is for me? What like what what was it? Well, I was really lucky. I had I had a good mentor um, that was a fantastic faller, and um, he he actually took the time to to teach me and keep me alive. And once I started to get good at it. Then, uh, then I started to, to realize that, hey, this is okay. Um, I don't think that was your question, though, was it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what was you know, it that where it turned for you, where you're like you felt you found your calling? So, <clears throat> Asplund purchased Big Axe, and I, I think it was probably '87, '88, something like that. Um, and uh, everything changed, and the general foreman shows up at uh, our crew one day, and he's got a box, and in the box was a utility belt set of spurs, a hank of arborplex, and an instruction sheet on how to tie a taunt line hitch and and crotch. <laughs> <laughs> and being the youngest guy on the crew, I was elected. And so, <laughs> because, I mean, we had no, even though my foreman had supposedly been through the UTW course, yeah. um, which was in its infancy at the time, uh, he couldn't tie a taut line hitch to save his life, let alone a figure eight on the end, right? And, uh, yeah, so we sat there at the tailgate of the truck going through the sheet and tying, and uh, up I went, knees and knocking, and and um, I, I swear it wouldn't have been more than a few weeks later that, okay, now, now we're talking. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was now the climber on the crew. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Right. Man. Yeah. Oh man. And yeah. then your, your primary, primary job was to climb up and put the rope in. That was the start. That was the primary job. That was the only job because we were, somebody had roped the power line is what had happened. Right. And, uh, nobody got hurt or anything like that, but it was catastrophic, cat, cat, catastrophic in in its uh, consequences and so after that we could because we we would just tie a clevis big old heavy clevis onto the end of a pull pull rope and toss it up as far as we could and there it was she was coming down <laughs> one way or the other right either it was on the ground or on the power line i mean there was only two cho- you know two choices <laughs> so anyways that that was the job that was the job was putting the rope in and then that slowly graduated to you know limbing and and clearance and and such and there was never any pruning you know when i was at aspen that was i mean we were there to clear the power line not prune the tree right so, yeah. yeah right and, and right. that that was the job right you were pruning the wires from the streets. We were, yeah. So, well, you tried not to so touch when, the wires. <laughs> so, Norm, now that now that you were installing the tree by climbing it, so I'm, I'm assuming the rope was probably going at a much better height than the big old steel clevis. Did accuracy improve? Oh, yes, of course, you know. No. And, and the oddball thing is they would never allow wedges. <laughs> okay. right. I mean, you know, huh? But <laughs> you could throw a big steel clevis in a tree on a piece of string, but you couldn't use a wedge. But we couldn't use a wedge. Yeah, there's some logic to that, I guess. Now, right? Norm, were you guys using like a string, like a throw line type concept, or was it just on the rope? No, it was just literally on a rope. There was, I never saw a, a throw line until you introduced it to me many years later. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well. You know, do you remember we did that tour for, I think it was actually for Aquila at the time. And we I went do, to like, I do recall we six different utility crews all over. And their biggest yeah. concern was, and we, we were, the big shot was new, like really new. And they were like, 
excited but worried as fuck. Like <laughs> this thing's gonna, they're gonna be shooting ropes over wires all over the place. But what was it? Mark Wimet. Mark Wimet. Right. Remember him? And yeah. and uh, I re- I recall his comment at the time towards the end of the uh, presentations that we were doing, and uh, his his one. Biggest comment was, "Why in the hell haven't we seen this stuff before?" Right, you right. recall that? Yeah, Why yeah, have we yeah. not seen this stuff before? Um, yeah. yeah, it was enlightening for you know for those for those guys. Yeah, yeah. The throw line was one of those things. Like the, the first time you see it, you're like, "Why didn't I think of this?" It's a piece of string with a bag. <laughs> like, why didn't I think of this? Like, like this is genius. It's you know? not rocket it's- science. No, exactly. It's like, why didn't I think to get a piece of string? Why am I struggling with this big piece of half inch or five eighths Arbor Plex trying to monkey fist and trying to throw this thing up when I could have got a bag? And that, well, the first ones we used were tennis balls, right? Put a little number seven shot in there and then, you know, poke a hole in it and secure your string somehow. And then that was, you know, the ricochet biscuits, we called it. But, yeah, it was amazing <laughs> once we saw it. Like, like, we couldn't, like, why didn't we, why didn't, man, it just, it's the simplest inventions. It's like, uh, why didn't I think of a piece of string? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When did when did we meet, Dwayne? <laughs> well, I was just you know my recollection here it is. I, I was vice president of ISA Prairie Chapter. I got that in an interesting manner. Uh, being my high my college teacher, we were at a conference. My first time I competed it would have been eighty nine, and she said when they were looking, they didn't have a vice president. I said, I'll do it. Well, I didn't even say that. I just whispered to her. I was vice president of my high school. She's like, really? She raised her hand and said, I nominate Dwayne. So I became that. One of my jobs was recruiting. And uh, I had recently moved to Edmonton. And, uh, you know, we were. I took it seriously. So I, I actually had little business cards made. I was proud to be the president of a Prairie chapter. And at the time, you know, uh, back in the day, I don't know, Tony, you might remember this. You had to be vetted to be a member. Like you couldn't just sign up. Like it was a process, right? So, so I would phone just cold call people right out of the book, yellow pages, and yeah. introduce myself. Dwayne, you're the vice president of the Prairie chapter, and you know you you too could be a member if you meet the requirements. You sounded you very know, official I, too. You did. <laughs> and I would meet. I would go meet people, and hardly ever, most people told me to f off, right? Um, but. You said, "Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll check this." I remember we met in the, the mall, like south yeah. south end there by White Mud, and you were walking around all swarthy, like, and I was like, "Holy crap!" And you, you know, you sat across. You were skeptical at best, but what happened is we chatted. I think we we sat and had a coffee, you know, in the food court. I think it was, and I said, "Well, let me show you some of the things we're doing. What we do, right?" And I showed you, you know, some cables, some braces, some cavity fills, and this and that. And you were like, "Yeah, this is uh, sounds interesting." And I think you signed up to be a member like soon after that. And that would have been our very first meeting, I think. Do you remember the job I showed you when you vetted me? It was a Brandon you Elm. You showed me a bolt. You showed me a bolted a, bol- a tree bol- a bolting job, right? Yeah, it was a Brandon Elm. It had fell apart in like multiple directions, yeah. it, but it was pretty small. Yeah. So I, I was able to pull it all back together 
And I had like five bolts in the poor thing. It was just like this mishmash of iron cables everywhere. (laughs) I had no idea how to cable at the time, but I knew that cabling and I showed you that. And, uh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I was actually, I was the third quote on the job and the other, the previous two had said, well, you know, it'll be this much to remove it. I said, well, hell, why don't we fix it? And that, that tree actually stood for, I, I finally removed it about 15 years later to make room for a deck. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was pretty, that was my very first real act as an arborist, yeah. you know, like, I mean, obviously I'd been pruning and such and learning, you know, all that sort of thing. My tree ID sucked. Yeah. Etc. But uh, but putting that tree back together was probably uh, that was a turning point. Well, I remember you were really proud of it. I remember you were, um, you were hungry for learning how to do more of that kind of stuff. Like it was like you were looking for the pinnacle of tree care, right? Like it was you were all done with the utility smash and bash. It's like I want to take care of trees really well. We sure formed a lot of trees, man. You took through it. You, t- I know you did, but you took it right through to, you know how how you you probably were the most effective dist- uh, uh, force against fire blight in the state of Edmonton for well over a decade. <laughs> I did really did pump out some strap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you did it the uh, way it needed to be done in order for it to be effective, and it worked. Right? And I don't know anyone. To, I don't think anybody treats it properly or maybe you can't use strep anymore i don't even know but like no. it, it just doesn't get treated that way anymore well the, you know there's probably the possibility that it was never actually registered for use in that way i honestly don't know i didn't care um i knew that it worked i knew right. that it was the right thing to do and we didn't have there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of alternatives to removal either it was there was no. like what else are you going to do like it's even if it's like it's not a registered product like it's something it's yeah, something it's like, you yeah, know something. and and yeah so i mean but i knew that i i had trees that went from 16 70% dieback and deadwood to 30% you know down to 10% and if you were just, uh, you know, a regular every year, like clockwork in there, cleaning out anything that uh, had reappeared and doing your applications in a timely manner, man, the trees could live a normal lifespan. Yeah. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Well, and that's what I remember about you. You took it seriously and did it the way it needed to be done. And you didn't like to cut corners like you were always very thorough like that. I guess what I'm wondering about now is when was it that, you know, I honestly don't remember you taking a course. I, I remember you always being there, but I don't remember. Like, was it when Ken came up when you first? I think I actually paid for maybe two courses, three. When yeah, I, know, I know the one that uh, when Ken first came up. Yeah. Um, I participated in that as a paid student or a paying student. Right. And then I think after that, I just kind of showed up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I paid for two or three courses. And then I just started showing up as, as an, you know, and then you guys put me to work. Right. Yeah. And, uh, well, and, it, and it's, it's interesting because, 
that was the model and it evolved. It was never planned and it got us in trouble for a while because people wanted to be involved and we were growing, but the only model we had was you, like, uh, which was, and you know, you were a part of it. Like you were part, you know, I've always been a Socratic leader of sorts where I would, like you were involved in decision-making of how we would move forward with people. And I don't know if you remember that, like right from early on. So, if you recall, there was, I, I, it, it's coming back to me now. I think I paid for the entire series, which was the series at the time. I think it was uh, falling, um, climbing, and rigging. Yeah. You know, chainsaw safety, climbing, and rigging. Just the three courses, yeah. the three basics. Yeah. And, but there was the policy in place that you could forevermore retake yeah. the course had no charge yeah, and that's i took right. it i took advantage of that to the nth degree <laughs> yeah. now now I, and because i i know my wife at the time was uh you know she was quite there was a lot of consternation about how much i was spending in flights <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah just yeah. showing up right well that was the other thing you were the first guy that made trips so you didn't just drive there like you would come distance yeah to be part of things yeah i had a plan yeah, I, I knew there was a lot to be offered that I had yet to see. And uh, yeah. and so there was only one way to, to find that, and that was to be there. And then I missed one. I missed one. And I remember uh, you, you gave me a phone call, and you were quite angry. You were quite upset because you had counted on me to be there to be the free assistant. Right? <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yep. and that's when I said, well, I don't recall seeing a pay envelope last month. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you started paying for my expenses and stuff. Yeah. And, right. Uh, right. Those are. Yeah. <laughs> that, that model is so crazy because I fell under the same model. Right. A little, right. Like, very briefly with Ken and Rip, but then with Scott. And it's like and people always ask me, like, man, how do you, you know, how did you come about to be a trainer? I'm like, I just kept showing up. Like, and they're like, no, I'm like, no, no shit. Like I took yeah. a course and then they always said at the end of the course, you know, Hey, if we're ever, if you ever want to come back to one of our courses, you know, by all means, it's always free to you. I'm like, Oh, this will be great. I'll just show up again. Right. Cause I missed so much first time around. And then I just kept showing up and eventually same thing, put me to work. Like, you know, so now I'm the guy in the tree doing the, I'm the crash test dummy, you know, up there. Yep. And, and then, yep. and after a while, and then you get to a point where it's like, well, that they, they basically, they, you guilt them into getting a paycheck. Like, well, you know, I keep showing up, but you know, yeah. I'm like, well, okay, well, but it's, it's, it was a crazy model, but it worked, right? It drew the right people yeah. to it. Um, but it's, it's hard to explain to people. It's like, well, how did you, how did you get involved? I just kept showing up. Like, I, I don't, there's no, it's, that's it. That's all there was to it. I just kept showing up till they basically gave me a job. And by the time it, it came around where you were actually presenting modules, you had them memorized. I mean, they were, mm. they, it was muscle memory at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, yeah, yeah, and you know, and we it, it it was an imperfect model, but it had a lot of great qualities, and you know, like it 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 also had the it it, it very much disenchanted some people. It 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 gave the impression of taking advantage of people, you know, and I and I we understood that we totally understand. When, when it took us a long time to figure out a way to, and it, we still are trying to figure out a way to make it better but we're 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 a little ways down the road but you know in doing so it things have changed like that and that's one of them right there norm like the way it gets taught you know we're faced now with 
you know, we like, and, and even right now, like we've got a situation where we changed our climbing course norm and we updated it. And all we did is we changed the curriculum, but we never changed the competency profile and no one ever taught it. I never taught it. I was moving out of climbing and we wanted to release this new model. We moved from a two day, two, two day courses to one, three day course. And we had guys that had been teaching them for a long time. And we said, you know what guys, just deliver them. You got, well, what about the PowerPoint? What are we going to just, what are we going to? My grandson. (laughs) He looks so much like Axel. It's crazy, man. (laughs) He does. Reminds me of Axel anyway. (laughs) So we, we said, so it's been three years. They've been delivering in BC, in Alberta, and Ontario, the climbing course. And they're not the same course. And they've evolved. And they've developed their own little pattern. I don't mean that, I don't mean that in a belittling way. But they've developed their style of delivery unto themselves. So we've got these cells now. Which when you – and this is my struggle with it. Because – in the past, everybody learned it from me or you or the next guy, and it was all done through repetition and keep coming back. Now suddenly, and that's why we had our Climberiza event, we had three courses that are not that are called the same thing, but we know are quite different. And you know, it creates it's a big change. And I think there's advantages to it and limitations, but um I'm glad that. I know. I, I I think it's important that everyone understands where it came from and and where some of the struggles for us old dogs is with that new model and and how there's value in it too. But I think for me, it's also recognized there's value in in the modernization of it too and having that you know people having that opportunity to make it flexible. But that being said, how much do you feel, Norm? You were able to make it your own in amongst that. Because you wouldn't have taught the chains, of course, the way I did, but fundamentally you would have. The information at that time that we were sharing was very specific. Right. And so there wasn't a whole lot of need for improvisation. As time progressed um, and our techniques expanded, then uh, improvisation and and my ability to change the courses. Because when I was first out on my own, I did start to develop my own way of thinking and my own way of presenting. And and there were new techniques that, that needed to be shared that weren't necessarily part of the curriculum that I would incorporate. And so it was there. We were able to do it. Yeah. 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 Not necessarily with your blessing, <laughs> but I think well, that uh, as time went by and and we incorporated uh, you know things, and then we would be together again, and yeah. and present together again and share those things. Um, yeah. I think that it was actually quite open. We we were able to, you know, I, I don't think it was a closed thing at all. Having said that what you're referring to with the new climbing techniques and stuff, that's a whole new ball game. <laughs> I mean, I would never presume to be able to teach modern climbing. My yeah. goodness. I mean, 
I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm still climbing on a canoe. <laughs> you know? yeah. Hey, that's pretty modern for some guy. Well, yeah, right, right. <laughs> At least it's not a tall no, man hitch or a Blake's, right? Yeah, right. It is. And I, yeah, I remember when I was coming up, you know, doing the chainsaw courses and stuff. It's like there really only was one source of information for me. If I didn't learn it from Ken, or I didn't learn it from Rip, or I didn't learn it from you, Norm, I there wasn't. I mean, there were there were other sources. There weren't books on it. There weren't there wasn't YouTube videos on it. There wasn't all this other stuff. And now it's a little more challenging because we have instructors coming in that you know we're not you know they they're not just learn. It's not just being passed down. They're coming in with a good bit of experience, good and bad, or or you know somewhere in the middle, yep. and they have other sources of information that you know get involved into it. So it's really and like I said, the the methods are uh, of. You know, with even with chainsaws, it's changed, but still, you know, the chainsaw course I, I teach now is probably not much different than what you taught the last one. You know, that's, you know, there's only so many ways to cut down a tree, face, put, you know, back cut. Yeah. It's the tools have changed. Obviously, you know, the tools we've changed, but the way we use them doesn't necessarily. But with the climbing, it is a whole nother ball of wax. And there's so many different ways. It's not just Arborplex and a taunt line and a, and a, and a, and a harness. there's so many different and i find that what's so interesting is so many people get so wrapped up in the they forget why they're up in the tree they're like all right go make a cut they're like well they don't know how to prune like you know at some point you got lost along the way right like why are you up there they can they can dance around the tree like nobody's business but yeah, you know, that's, and they, they look at a system like a very basic, a taunt line system. And it's kind of funny because they're like, well, it's, that's old, old school. It's like you can still get the job done with it. The tree hasn't changed, you yeah. know, like yeah, that, uh, yeah. you know, that Norway maple tree that I was climbing 25 years ago that's still around on Mrs. Smith's property. I could still climb that with a piece of Arborplex and a taunt line um, and I could still make the pruning cuts I needed to make. Now it would be a little bit harder on my body. It might be a little slower. Um, but I, I could do it. It's it's not that 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 system was bad somehow. So it's funny how the yeah. Not only has the equipment and the courses evolved, the students have evolved in many many ways. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's true for sure. Yeah. Um, Norm, I'm curious how you how how you would view. Um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to use this term, the human forest, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, we're, we're all part of it's human forestry, our lives, you know, and, and one of our instructors last week, he said he's, he's an assistant and he looks forward to his canopy growing through and poking through with, into the forest that is act and, you know, becoming a part of the, like a, a young growth growing into the old growth, you know, and I've really glommed onto that and, and it's cause you know, we're, we're talking to the old growth here. We're not, you know, and then we've got people like Pete Donzelli, who's, you know, his remnants are still there. Like he's still feeding this forest, you know, like even though he's not actively speaking with us, you know, we still are benefiting from his knowledge and his shared stuff. So um, how do you feel that your involvement with training and arborist training and education has affected you in life and and so on i look at a little more esoteric here yeah um well i it it pretty much became my my existence for a long time um i mean there was the one side of me that was running georgian tree services you know and so i was the arborist but there was the other side that was the instructor for you know arbor master or 
or Arbor Master Training Canada or Arbor Culture Canada or you know, whatever incarnation it happened to be at the time. And it, it affected every part of my life um, in truth. And I think it probably did for you guys as well. I mean, it becomes, uh, you know, all, all encompassing, overpowering, um, if you will. I, I re- you're, you're talking about learning from our forefathers and such. Let's not forget guys like, remember Don Blair? Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, Don, Don Blair was one of the original, well, he was the original Oak Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I, um, so I learned an awful lot from, from those guys as well, but. Yeah. Or reading, oh, yeah. no, reading absolutely. of their, you know, their, their exploits and their, their teachings. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, Don was, was probably really one of the first ones to kind of like start to publish stuff. He, like he wrote the book, Arborist Equipment, and he yeah. started, he yeah. was really the first one to kind of make that connection between the past. And well, he, of course he made up the terms Oak Man and Ute Man, right? Or well, made them popular. Yeah. I kind of wish I could yeah. made them popular. Yeah. And he was really the first one to kind of, you know, be that, that sort of that Arborist storyteller, poet laureate you know, to get all those things, all those things out there. And then of course, Jerry, Jerry Brannick, another, yeah, you know, it was yeah. another one with his books and his photos. He loved taking photos and, you know, just in talking with Jerry, just a wonderful storyteller. Um, yeah. you know, really just, I think that's where I really started to appreciate the oral tradition of arboriculture, you know, just in talking with Jerry and the stories he would tell and how they would like four, four or five guys on a set of spikes. And they all would like basically be on the same lanyard, trying to work up this old growth tree and they'd get about 60 feet up being going like, this might not have been the best idea because I'm not sure how we can get down. And I don't think we can go up anymore. Just, yeah, it was fun, funny stuff. But yeah, that let's I, take a picture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much, I guess, you know, to use Dwayne's analogy, there's so much duff on the forest floor that, you know, whether they're still with us today or not, you know, like Peter's gone, of course, but you know, Jerry's still around and, and Don's still around. They're still, still providing yeah. that input you know, back into the forest, there's still that growth there. But I think, you know, Dwayne and I were talking about this earlier when we were talking about, you know, what, why we wanted to start this podcast and why we wanted to have these conversations is I think that connection is getting broken a little bit. That water bond is getting broke between the guys that are shooting up through the canopy and starting to poke through. And they're, they're kind of ignoring their root systems a little bit, you know, and it's not their fault. They just, no one told them they had a root system, you know, no one told them that all that stuff's laying on a forest floor and it's all part of, part of what they are. Yeah. Do you um do you recall that uh, that train the trainer course and the remember the original certifications that we did in uh, Georgia? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I remember them well. I it's uh, I, I I think back to that every now and again fondly, you know, and the, yeah. the food the food and the camaraderie. Yeah, and and the uh, the original certifications that we did. Yeah, that was that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, a big deal. the vulnerability as well was a big deal too, Norm. And uh, and uh, you know, you're I, I, you know, you you were put in charge of evaluating the chainsaw people, like you. Well, in fact, Tony, I think you recently discussed this with me that I you, certified you. Norm, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then that was like, holy shit, Norm's actually testing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> or, uh, yeah. I it was like it was like okay I guess ah, wow okay I hope I'm good <laughs> you know but uh, it was yeah it was yeah those that those were 
I actually, I just found all, remember the patches you had made, Dwayne, the, with the, mm-hmm. with the, the sticky patches, the stickers, I just found yeah, all yeah. of them in a bag and I, they're all over the top of one of my coolers now. Um, <laughs> the one, my little cooler that I travel around with, like it's my, basically my refrigerator when I'm in my truck and they're all there, you know, with the, yeah. with the abbreviations that I can never remember. And, uh, Right. I have them all yeah, I want to resurrect that model. And I, I think it was a good model with the Velcro patch, right? Um, uh, this, yeah, with the Velcro patch, right? These were yeah. just adhesive. But yeah, those were, yeah, I think Norm did my chainsaw. I think Norm or uh, Bruce did climbing, I think. Um, yeah. I but Norm, what I remember is you tested to a level that I was like, holy crap. And you were like relentless. You were not, you didn't waver. See, I always struggled with that. I always, I still, I struggle with, like, I don't want to uh, hold people too accountable, even if I know they're wrong or because I don't want to offend them, right? And uh, I always admired that about yourself. Like, you just like, nope, nope, eh, try it again. That's wrong. <laughs> just repeatedly. Like, you were just and, – and people had to learn it with you, you know? We were there for a specific reason. Like, I, I believed in what we were doing there and i mean we were creating something new you know and it had to be done right and you know by the end of it all and and i mean thor was every bit as relentless in his um was he doing uh tree hazard evaluations yeah risk assessments right he was brutal man (laughs) i remember going (laughs) through his station it was like oh my god (laughs) I've, i've been doing this stuff for like a decade and you're you're making me feel like a child <laughs> and i feel like a child because you're like six foot eight and right? about six foot eight wide and six foot eight tall you're just this huge like jesus christ i don't want to piss this guy off he's gonna squash me like a bug right and uh, by the way norm thor is on for tomorrow we have thor oh yeah well sometime yeah. this week we're interviewing thor, thor wednesday, wednesday yeah we got thor coming on yeah, he's agreed. He's looking forward to it. So, uh, and by the way, of course, you'll be you'll all those will be shared with you, so you'll be able to listen to Thor's interview and uh, and take it in. Yeah. And uh, and you, I don't know if you'll find this, but I certainly have. Like listening to my own, it's really bizarre. Like because I've done one of these with Tony and and Tim, another fellow you don't know, and a, a version of this. But I I like I really enjoy listening to our con- like listening to your own conversation is listen- different than. Than being a part of it. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, you, all of them that we do, uh, you'll, of course, have access to and be able to listen to. So um, uh, Johnny, I uh, got John Ransom. I'm going to get on the docket. Uh, John, John, my baby. That's right. Yeah. Butter, sugar butterfly, baby. sugar baby. <laughs> correct. 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 Yeah. So what all did we um, qualify in 2008? What all taught? We did chainsaw. We did climbing. We did chainsaw, risk, risk assessment, assessment, climbing and rescue. Climbing and rescue. Because we felt those were the most pertinent. Right. We didn't feel we could do climbing without rescue. So it was we didn't do ringing in eight, but we did ringing in 09. Right. Because in my brain, they kind of blend together. I was trying to figure out which yeah. ones we did in 2008. But we did, or did we? We didn't do ringing in Georgia, I don't think, Norm, did we? No. 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 I didn't think so. We we realized it was one we needed to add. And I think we we did. We must have done five, or did we only do three in Georgia? Maybe. Anyways, yeah, doesn't matter. I don't. It I don't doesn't remember. matter. But yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. enough. I mean, it was a busy week. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's it's something we're going to be working towards. We need to revisit, and uh, 
uh, we're working with Tony on on a, 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 nef- a new third party model. And, uh, you know, your name's come up uh, more than once. Of course, it'd be a paying gig, but I, I think it'd be great to have, you know, Just you've expenses. been, you've been, you've been disconnected from the team long enough that you're not, I don't think you could be accused of, uh, like, you know, uh, company nepotism or biasness to a certain degree where you could have that objective and you always were good at, good at it, but like to have you test all our guys now. Like, you know, what a cool thing that would be just from a cool perspective, but also like, you know, your knowledge didn't go away. You're not, and it's chainsaw, right? Like you, they're going to be, they're going to have to know their stuff. Well, you know, it wasn't actually the first, if we really go back and Andrew reminds me of this, the very first one was at Ken at Ken's house. And I think you were there, Norm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I recall that. That was just before did, John competed, and I think the competitions were in Ontario that year, were they? I, and anyways, I built him that crazy, stupid, stiff. Yeah, remember he, he had a new technique for for his footlock. He was going to push yeah. his his hitch yeah. up, and I, I made him that uh, that hitch extension that was so it was like a pointer. It was so it was stiff. It was the first stiffy. The first That's stiffy. right. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I put it together with a sledgehammer. I, re- <laughs> I remember on the corner of uh, of Ken's house, he had this post, and I had had the thing attached to this post with a couple of beaners, and I just was, and I pounded that thing together like wow, it was never coming yeah. apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, you know, and, and that was, you know, it was it wasn't the version of trainer that evolved in 07 and ever since but it was the the actual first kind of co uh, like we got together officially as a trainer and when when we did that kayak trip and yeah. Andrew fell into he was trying to take a pee in his kayak cuz everyone was drinking beer and he right when he finished he wobbled and went face first into the pool that he'd created of foam right beside himself <laughs> I recall that actually. Yeah. But the best part was Ken wouldn't let anybody get in the kayaks till he demonstrated how to. And Juan was just sitting there shaking his head and Ken pushed the kayak off the shore and immediately dumped. <laughs> and and it was just mass exodus. We all just immediately entered the water and he's blubbering going, just, just, just a second, just a second. <laughs> that was a fun trip it, it was yeah i yeah, i don't yeah. know that we actually did a lot of anything by way of tree no. training it was mostly drinking eating yeah. socializing um, yeah i think uh rip did a uh solo uh tree falling demonstration yep like okay. uh i think uh five to one uh the yep. locking system yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, my yeah, experience is with, my experience like in 2008, like came in with everyone that was there had a fairly decent skill set. It was interesting to get tested and get that outside. I think what it really did for me, what that trainer model really did for me is it gave me like direction. Like yeah. now I knew that like now I knew how to teach what I knew. Right. Before I was just blundering along, you know, and there, I didn't have a I didn't have a pattern. I didn't have a formula. I didn't have a way to to express yeah. it in 2008 started to give me that that framework which was really for me was like the big new newest thing i mean i learned stuff don't get me wrong i always i know learned stuff but the skill set was okay i could run a chainsaw i could fell a tree 
could always get better, but the, the ability to express that so others could repeat it is, um, that was really, and now when I look back, you know, you know, 30 years in the industry, 20 years as a trainer, that the difference between a good technician and a good trainer is that ability to express it so that it can be repeated. And that's where so, that's a lot of things I see lacking was not trainers in Arbor Canada, but trainers around the industry. You know, my favorite uh, Dr. Ball quote was like, you know, every time we get a new ITCC champion, we get a new trainer in the industry. And it's, no, it shouldn't be that way. You know, you think just because you're, you have notoriety or recognition or likes, you know, viewers, however you want to call it. Now you're suddenly a trainer, but that ability to take the knowledge that you have from the inside and to put it out in a way that others can grasp it and then repeat it is what really was the, the driving force. The big thing that I, that I took out of the trainer um, one in confidence, you know, this, you know, standing there in a, and a stupid outfit doing silly things in front of everybody will, will build confidence. But I've never had a problem doing that stuff. Like I can do all kinds of great, just don't care. Right. Just block <laughs> it out. Um, yeah. But you know, but that, that ability and that's, you know, the testing was important. I didn't realize how important until now, you know, being involved back again with Arbor Canada, understanding that, you know, it's, it's who, when you, a trainer stands up there and says, you know, who, why are you teaching me? Why can't that guy teach me? I have good reasons for that. And that's what I got from, you know, the trainer. I can, I can express those things. And I didn't come up with that shit on my own. And that was probably the biggest takeaway from trainer for me is it gave me that compass, you know, like, okay, I, I enjoy doing this and I have a skill set. Now I know how to share it. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that Tony, because when I took trainer one from peak potentials, as I was taking that course, I realized I, was being taught a way to teach how to teach and not just teach, but well, that's it to teach how to teach. Like I, on the model that we had that Norm you spoke of and that you were a part of, it was learning how to teach by watching and, and kind of almost parroting or mimicking, right? Like you said, muscle memory, which, which is effective. It's, a, it's an apprenticeship type model, but it's very slow and difficult to duplicate. And uh, when I took trainer, I realized there was a methodology <clears throat> to not teach chainsaw or the techniques, but to teach how to teach stuff, you know, and that the whole data doesn't matter, right? Because we weren't attracting people to our instructional team that didn't know how to do it. Like that was already done. It was how to teach it that we needed, you know. And I realized, like, how we teach is the most important thing. And it's what was working for a company. Like, you, I remember, Norm, you and I would often sit. I remember one time in particular after Winnipeg. And we went through. Remember, they had the fatality. And we went in and taught everybody in yeah. two weeks or something. Like, we were, like, group after group. And the first, like, from utter hostility to that group going, wow, this is great. And everyone else coming into the end of the day going, these assholes ain't going to do that to us, you know? And by the end, and then yeah. we had the last holdout, the final group was the toughest nuts of all. Right. And, you know, everybody cracked, but at the end, I, at one point we're sitting there, of course we were sitting, having a beer, I'm sure. And uh, it was like, I don't get it, man. You would call it spinning the web. I don't know if you remembered that term. He said, Dwayne just spins his web. And it was that I figured out what, how to teach people how to spin their own web. Is what I taught, learned at trainer. You know, 
not that it was the way I did it, but like how the importance of stories, the importance of introductions. I would always do that. And I never realized it was actually how powerful it was from a teaching standpoint. And uh, that was a gift I was given. So some of them I learned inherently, but others I learned a whole new way to deliver it to people. And I just pursued that with a with 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 just abandon, like it went and full. Uh, it was always sincere and true. I could always say that my heart was fully vetted and in it. Like there was no, I was in, all in. I mean, it was, it was a real transition. You have to keep in mind, I think, that the train the trainer part versus the train the student. I mean, and, and the original model of when you were training your upcoming trainers, you were actually taking students and turning them into trainers. And that was a completely different thing than taking people like Tony that already had the complete skill set and already, I mean, they were no longer students. These were people now that you were taking that had potentially done some training and teaching yeah. them how to how to teach. And so that's a, you were, you were gifting a, a completely different skill set. I mean, it, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does actually. It's very interesting. Oh, no, and it, it makes some sense into some of the things I've experienced in the form of oddity or incongruency in the current model, because we have people that come as students, not only to, the disciplines of arboriculture, but also in some ways to the disciplines of trainer, both, which creates a whole nother level of, uh, of complexity, I guess. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, did they say that, the, I mean, there is no better way to learn than to teach. Right. Right. But, uh, I mean, we're, you know, the industry that we're in is, is such that, I mean, you really do need to be sure of your skill sets before you try, you know, imparting them. Because the consequences, uh, you know, are, are obvious, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I, and... okay. Go ahead, Tony. No, I, I think that was sort of, like I said, the magic of the trainer, train the trainer mod module is we took it from that, you know, just show up and learn it, you know, apprentice style, which is, it can, it works and it gets on to yeah. really take it into something that was, you know, repeatable, right? Because the best technicians aren't always the best trainers and the best trainers aren't always the best technicians. Yeah. You have to have a certain skill set, And, uh, but I mean, it, you know, in the, in the end, it comes down to teaching people the principles so they can, they can make their own choices. And I think that's where a lot of, you know, a lot of it gets diluted, um, you know, with YouTube and other things. They don't, it's not a lot of people out there calling themselves trainers or doing trainer and they don't have a good fundamental skill set and how to teach other people. So they just, tend to do what I was doing early in my career and just blather along. And luckily I, mostly what I said was right. Um, but now there's so many options. It would be easy for me without that skill set from trainer to be wrong. Right. And that you can't well, overlook well, the amount of networking that trainer opened up as well too. Right. Just oh, the people, right. for sure. Yeah. You know, just the experience level. So, I, I mean, as, as instructors, we were imparting safety skills and productivity. Period. That's yep. that's what we were there to do. Mm -hmm. But as um, train the trainers, we were there to share how to communicate how to teach product 
productivity, skills, and safety. You know, yeah. uh, two different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. we the assumption was that you already had the knowledge of the safety, skills, and productivity. But how do you impart that in a in a way that you can communicate to others? Right. And repeat. Right. So that that's what I learned at mm-hmm. at uh, you know the the uh, train the trainer events, and uh, yeah. it served me well. And not just not just instructing, but you know when you took that home to your company, you know because uh, you know I was also running a, a, a agricultural service at the time, I was yeah. able to actually use that because I mean I had guys like Frank Chips and and Drummy and. Uh, you yeah. know, working for me and to be able to impart that to them, you right. know, that, that was, that was amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, it was a era, you know, for sure. I, 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 when we, when I was thinking about this interview with you, I thought about, uh, the Don Blair harness that you had autographed from him that you always kept on the wall. You know, did, did that, where is, is that, around it's in a box yeah, yeah we're moving <laughs> at the end of the month and yeah yeah i still got it yeah and the uh the part that he autographed was actually a um a clip uh like a remember one of those old leather um uh, slide-ons that would go on oh yeah went onto a belt and it had a brass uh brass clip on it and he yeah. signed that uh you know uke man uke man <laughs> turned oak <laughs> yeah yeah well he always yeah. defined himself as a Oak man with severe uke tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should sure. probably define for the newer listeners that might not know what we mean by uke and uh, oak. For man. sure. Right. Yeah. So an oak man is? Well, an oak man is the opposite of a uke man to start. <laughs> the uke, so the original uke man, like in California and such with all the eucalyptus, uh, they would just go up and hack them, cut the top off them puppies. And they yeah. would just become trees again you know repeat ad nauseum and then along comes the oak man who goes up into the oak with a pair of secateurs i mean who carries a pair of secateurs in a tree right and uh you know you carefully prune out the dead wood and such and uh yeah that in essence that's the That's yeah, I always difference. described it like the Uke Man was the my one of my favorite Matt Logan quotes was strong like bull, smart like dump truck. <laughs> 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 Just get <laughs> it done, right? You know, whereas the I Oak put the brush like, on the ground. <laughs> right. Where the, the Oak Man would be like, hmm, let's step back and think about this. Maybe we could put a rope on it and maybe it'll swing over there by itself and we won't have to pick it up. <gasps> right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So when you well, have Don Blair would talk about the, the Uke Man would have you know, his chipper would have parts attached with baler twine. Um, the signs would be removable for emergency situations. Um, <laughs> the, he'd have cigarettes rolled up in his T-shirt, and there would always be remnants of breakfast, lunch, and beer on, somewhere on his person, on his clothing. And his hair was, you know, cut infrequently and usually bearded. Whereas an oak man was clean shaven, in a uniform, clean, pressed. The trucks were clean. Well, that was the other thing. The oak man's trucks weren't clean. The trucks were clean, you know, signed, logoed, uh, 
in good working order. The chippers had paint on them, <laughs> and uh, that the ropes, their ropes, you know, had tags. <laughs> and less than less than twenty five percent damage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and they had they had ropes. Oak man had ropes. They had man often just had rope. Yeah. 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 The rope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I need the rigging line. I can't. I'm climbing on it right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, uh, hand me a wrench. What size? Doesn't matter. I'm going to use it as a hammer anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I wonder if Don, they probably would be happy to do an interview. It would be very entertaining. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy that, you know, it really, I I always, that'd be something worth asking him. I don't know what, you know, and that's something I appreciate, you know, I'm talking about, you know, Ken Rip and all the days because they're all part of our force. And, you know, I think I've always been a little uncomfortable. Um, You know, in some ways I feel like, you know, because there is personalities and no no one's perfect. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, well, many of us, you know, we have life decisions or habits that develop that that aren't conducive to uh, healthy communication in relationships. But it doesn't take away from the contributions that that have existed out there. And you know, some of these relationships have been affected by things like that. And but they don't. I don't want to take away. They're they're still part of the force. You know, like in that model. I don't know how. I, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. But I'm curious how you see that like those fitting into the forest to this day because they're still there well you're delving into topics there that uh <laughs> yeah, could I go know. off awfully go. deep um that's yeah. a forest is we're going into the, the thicker part of the old growth yeah the old duff is getting a little deeper there um you know that has always been part of the industry it'll always be part of the industry Okay. I think there's been highs and lows. Um, and and this is certainly applicable to all industries, uh, whether it be educational uh, industries, the working industries, the arborist industry, the logging industry, the oil industry. Um, people have, people are people. You know, but bottom line, people are people and people have, quirks and quirks and uh, sometimes they get in the way of how they communicate with others and uh, get in the way of their own lives but I don't think that that has to impact forever right does that does that is that what you were asking me yeah well I, I there wasn't I didn't have a very specific ask in there. I, I guess I just want to, I, I, you know, I guess it, it's part of my inherent character defect and or attribute, which could be both a double-edged sword of, I really like everyone to get along and be connected. I, I, I feel better that way. I don't have to have it nowadays, which is a good thing because it caused a lot of trouble for me. <laughs> like I would, I would let the, the frustration or even pain of that uh, affect me more than it should. Now it still does, but I can put it into perspective. So, cause I think sometimes, you know, those, those, those pains or those uh, differences that, that you spoke of Norm, like they, they, 
they can cause us not to honor the the truth of what was there, you know, and and the learnings that did take place. Like you know, I think about, you know, there's certain parts of me as a trainer that were gifted by whatever entity exists. You can call it the Great Spirit, the Creator, God, Allah, whatever you want. But there's something that gave it to me, that you know, maybe maybe my birth father had it too, you know. But then there was parts of it that were nurtured and 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 honed or were sharpened by interactions with others. And my first person that really mentored me in that way was Ken. Like, there's just no question. And, and I have to recognize that. Like, and, and it, it'd be a disservice for me to not realize how my roots and my canopy was benefited from being connected to his forest or the, him being part of my forest. And I don't go to that part of the forest as often but it's still there, you know, it's still, I still draw on the, those experiences and those learnings and they were part of what brought it to what it is. So just, just simply to just pay honor to that or if, you know, and how you guys feel about that, I guess was kind of my question. And I think you answered it in a way for sure. You know, you did have another mentor. I mean, don't oh. forget when you were in Calgary, you know, yeah, and no, when you were, when point. you were learning, when you were learning your skill set. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, Rob definitely yeah. took you to uh, a, a new level. You yeah. know, it's- great point. You know, and, and and that's exactly what I mean. And then and, and I'm really glad you brought that up as well. I brought Rob up because you know it's really funny because Rob taught me to hate Shigo, <laughs> and that's one <laughs> of the things he taught me. You know, and it wasn't because he meant to do that. It just, he had a disagreement that was him. It was personal. But I was such a zealot and impressionable that I, I, I literally ended up apologizing to Alex for what I used to think about him because of what Rob told me. But that doesn't mean everything that Rob taught me wasn't good. And I, I'm sorry to bring that one up. It was just the first one that brought it into my mind or popped into my mind. But there was lots of great things I learned from Rob. Like, like how to, I think, correctly bolt and install bolts. I, really have to credit to Rob, which I don't bolt anymore. I don't believe in it as much as I used to because of learning yeah. other things. But I really, he was a good teacher and he was good at explaining things, you know, and I, I learned that from him. Absolutely. Friggin' literally I did it. And, and there's, there's remnants of my connections to him. And, you know, by the way, Rob and I visit quite at length these days when I go stopping at a store. Is and, that right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We're, you know, it hasn't changed a whole lot. Like he's mellowed a bit and it's, but, but it's good. You know, I still appreciate him. I still do appreciate him. And, uh, I have quite a bit of interaction. Well, frequent. And I always go buy stuff from him, right? I just figure I got to buy stuff from him. <laughs> well, that, that's always been key with Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, he, he really, oh, go ahead. He, go ahead. I said, I'm just one more thing about Rob is he really did open your horizons. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, when it when it came to developing the skill sets that you took into life, you know, in, yeah. in the arboricultural world that led you into yeah. training, because I, yeah. I honestly think that without those, you probably never would have found training. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. You, you know, know, and I and, think of Anita Jill. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And and that's a good point. And that's exactly, you know, and I, 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 I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to forget that legacy either because I do firmly believe we just stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before. Like, you know, they're, they're so much a part of, and they deserve that, 
I guess respect and recognition because it's the, the truth, you know? Sure. And, and I mean, you need to, you know, you know, you know, my journey recently, like truth is a pretty important part of it and being true to yourself and, and true about what is in your life is, is a, that's a, that's a big step or was for me, you know, to really, really know yourself and, and where you've come from and, and accept it at face value for what it is, not judge it, not it just, it is what it is. And it's a part, and, you know, that's an example. And it's not, it just, it's just the truth. He did play a major role as did others. So thank you for that. How about you, Tony? Where'd you start? Where did yeah. I start with tree work? Oh, I was born into this, right? My dad started doing tree work the year I was born. So I grew up with it and I never wanted to be an arborist. I couldn't get far enough away from it, um, <laughs> but it fell back into it. And and, and it, you know, my, my involvement started back in, you know, I grew up with it. I knew what tree work was, but then I didn't want to do it. So when I graduated high school, I got it out of New Holland, Pennsylvania, as fast as I could. But then I stumbled back in uh, five, six years later, and my oldest brother just started a tree company. Imagine that. He and another friend of his, uh, Pete, who then became a good friend of mine, with pickup truck, pole saws, the classic thing. And, you know, I think the first time I started working for them was they needed help doing traffic control. So I was a guy with the sign and it was, it was literally this time of year. It was like a week and a half before Christmas and they're blocking this big two lane road. And like people are throwing <laughs> things at me and they're cussing and they're swearing. And I'm like, I never doing this again. And I didn't actually get paid in cash. The way I got paid was um, we went to the strip club that night. My brother paid the cover charge and it was a BYOB strip club. So he brought in the cooler beer too. Um, that's how I got paid. And so I just fell back into it. And I, and it's, it's funny when you look, you know, what Dwayne was talking about in those, it's, you know, I think I stuck with tree work. I always liked the work. Don't get me wrong. I, I always found the work to be challenging, you know, intellectually, physically. I like, a, I like going home at, I liked going home at the end of the day, tired from having worked hard, but I think it was really the people that the, the community that kept me involved in it. Cause I look back through my own personal journey now, you know, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that tribe or that family and, and arboriculture gave it to me. And, you know, to, and it took me, I struggled with the same thing. Like you look back and I think as humans, we tend to want to see the negative over the positive And we often forget the people that influenced us. We only remember the negative. We don't remember the good. And it's not fair to them. And it's not fair to us to do that because, you know, the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the last five to 10 years is we're under no obligation to be who we were five minutes ago. And I think it's, it's a lesson from the forest too, right? Like forest doesn't care if the tree grows and dies. It's just, it does what it needs to do and it moves forward. And while that tree was alive, it was fine. And now that it's gone or not part, it's still adding into it. So still serving a purpose, still serving a purpose yep. and to see that and yep. to understand those. And I think to give yourself that, um, you know, that, that conscious emotional latitude to, you know, not everybody that has been in my life is still in my life. And that's a good thing because it would be damn fool. You know, I don't got much time, you know, but it's okay to leave those things behind and take the best part of what they were and to move forward. And that's, you know, that's what a forest does. That's what a tree does. You take what you need and you leave the rest behind for somebody else. And then don't get caught up in trying to be the, I, you know, for a long time, I think it, you got involved and it's like, if it wasn't perfect, then it wasn't good enough. But it's like, you know, good enough is good enough. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect because there is no perfection and not, you know, to understand that I don't have to be the person I was five minutes ago. 
and then, you know, and then training and teaching people and traveling has, you know, it's a, inevitably as you're, as a trainer, the worst aspects, personality aspects of yourself will show up in class one day in a student and, it, and you'll have to take a hard look at that person and say, damn, I'm kind of just like that. And, uh, and, and face it. So it's, those are the, yeah, I think that it's easy to focus on the negative and forget the positive, but we do a disservice to ourselves and we do a disservice to those people. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, trees don't heal, they seal. And, you know, in some ways I think we are like that too, as people and, and not, not that, not to ignore or hide from the hardships or the wounds, mm-hmm. but to compartmentalize them and they become part of our being, you know, in some ways they can become a home for something else or like, you know, that, that cavity that exists can become a place of understanding and comfort that we have for someone else because we've been through that injury and we survived it and we created woundwood that now we're as strong as we were before it occurred, which is the whole purpose of woundwood. But we still bear that scar and that and that is our gift you know that the raccoon now can live in it which you know is the the person that's struggling with the same injury or they're in the middle of that wound and we know there's light and there's comfort in there and it can become that for them and we can be that inspiration that's you know an example i think trees give us but and sometimes you know maybe the wound is too great and the tree does fall you know that I like your analogy there, Tony. It isn't a judgment, right? It's, but they're not gone. They're not forgotten. They're not, they're still contributing and their legacy lives on through providing what, what, well, Pete's fatality. Look what has been garnered in the industry as a result of his fatality. It, it's probably the most talked about, researched, and learned from fatality there ever has been, I, I dare say. And, you know, even though his, his tree has fallen, it, it, it still continues to feed us, you know, as a human forest, as in the industry of arboriculture. So, um, and you know, that they, another interesting thing is, you know, I think a tree would definitely, or their forest illustrates this too as well. Like it's not always sunshine and roses. There's drought, there's storms, there's hurricanes, there's tornadoes that wreak, wreak holy freaking havoc. And, they they grow on, you know, they, they have to go through it. And it's part of what, you know, flex your wood, you know, it, it, what you create taper by being pushed to the limit. You know, it, it life isn't, if it, if it was always perfect, they, they wouldn't stand, you know, they just wouldn't be able to resist anything then. And, and that's, that's life too. You know, you have to be able to endure and, and be an example of that. The, the resiliency, I think that, you know, we talked about it, the climbing course, Tony, you know? So, yeah. You're, um, you're referring to the resiliency of, of humans and trees. Um, yeah. I recall, I mean, back in the day when we were full time or when I was full time, let's say, uh, I yeah. recall the camaraderie, you know, of the instructor community and how we would share our our uh, weaknesses and our strengths and how we would support each other. And, and for me, that was probably one of the biggest takeaways I ever had uh, from that community was the, the ability to, to garner strength um, from, from 
my my brothers and sisters yeah. in arms, as it were, and uh, that 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 was a good a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I, you know, I, I I think we still have a a quality of that in the organization, and you know, it's ironic because we're nearing the end of our time. We usually try to keep it around an hour, and uh, that's exactly what. I was hoping to try to help stimulate, you know, in these, in these discussions is so that others can connect and get to know you in a way that just we're very difficult to do. Even if we were to get together in person, like, like we've talked about a lot of really cool stuff here and, and there's more for sure. And, uh, but what a great way for people to connect and learn from, from some of the things you, you know, you, uh, experienced and and i hope that this venue can continue to allow others to benefit from each other and, and share and, and uh like you said it just like you put it it was perfect and um i hope that can happen there's uh there there's there's room for the new generation of trainers to to learn from the old dogs <laughs> for sure. And there's room for the old dogs to learn from the new. Yeah. Most assuredly. It's it's re- reciprocal, certainly. Yeah. 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 yeah no, absolutely. Learn how to, you know, I look at the way my daughter's 18 and I look at the way that she moves through life and work and how much she's not consumed by it. She enjoys what she do, does and she's passionate about it, but she's not, she's, it's not like, I have, I'm not, I'm not spending 60 hours a week working. I'm somehow failing. She's like, no, I'm going to work 35 hours a week, go to class and then spend some time with my friends. And that's lesson I never had. You know, I was, my father's example was Tony, if you're not working as hard as you possibly can and falling asleep into mashed potatoes, you're somehow not right. You know, it's like, you're (laughs) not working hard enough. And I think that, you know, like I said, that's a great example. Sure. You know, we've been around a while. We have some stuff to show, but I have a lot to learn from, a new way of looking at it, right? To understand, because it's easy to forget what it's like when you're a sapling, you know? It's easy to forget what it's like when you're in the shade of others. And and then it's easy to get burned by the sun when you've been up at the top of the canopy so long. You're like, damn, like, you know, just, you get set in your ways. You know, you put on that, that taper wood and you can't bend anymore, but you still got to bend because the wind blows from all directions, you know? You have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. It's the unknown force of the wind that, we all have to face these unknown situations that we cannot predict no matter how hard we worry and we can't prevent no matter how hard we try, you know, and then they just, we have to be able to walk through them. And, and it really helps when you have people you can count on when those things occur, you know, and I think that's a real strong quality of the human force and, and the, and the team that, you know, we like to call Arbor Canada and all the Arbor Canadians make up a pretty cool little forest. Yep. There you that go. It is awesome. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a nice little segue. I'd I really, pre- you know, I was talking earlier with Tony Norm. It's just feel really grateful and thankful that, you know, yourself, Thor, like, is like everyone I've asked is like, yeah, Sounds cool. You know, little, what are we going to talk about? Was there questions? And it's sort of like, well, you know, it's just a conversation. And uh, it, it, they always seem to go just as how they were supposed to go, I think. So thank you so much 
for doing this. And it was so, it was just great for me anyway. <laughs> I'm honored. Um, really. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been nice to walk down memory lane a bit. Uh, it certainly brought back, uh, you know, memories of much more than what we talked about. Um, cause <laughs> yeah. there is only an hour and a bit here. So mm-hmm. I mean, to, yeah. to start delving, perhaps we could do it again. And, uh, you yeah. know, I would count on it. We don't have rules here. We can have the guests on as many times as we like. For sure. We're operating totally freeform here. There's so many good memories to to go to. Yeah.